What's this? What's this? It's the jacket. The jacket. The jacket. I took off Rocco de Mayo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cocksucker had the toughest reputation in Essex County, but he never came back after I got through with him. He later died of Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah? Try that. It's your fucking jacket. Love this jacket. You and my kid brother, you would have killed for this jacket. Silk lining, fine Corinthian leather. Nobody believed with my size I could carry this jacket. But with the belt, it was like Rommel. It's a nice jacket. It's a beautiful jacket. It is a beautiful jacket. The jacket! Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. We discuss an episode of Sopranos every week, and this week we are at Full Leather Jacket, uh, Season 2, Episode, what, 8? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I am Jim Scampoli. I'm Jacob Burrows, and I only could only dream of having such a jacket <laughs> in my life, and one day I hope we, sh- we all shall. Uh, like you said, I-, I really thought when you said last week, oh, you're never going to look at the words the jacket the same way, I thought... The jacket must be important to the plot of this episode, huh? But I, I guess it is in its way, but it's not like anyone got shot over the jacket. No, no. I mean, it. okay. Well, real quick. Uh, yeah, Full Leather Jacket was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burg- uh, Burgess. They're a married couple. We've heard their names before. We'll hear their names again. Also directed by Alan Coulter, who is another name we've heard before. We'll hear again. These are people that have written double digits or directed double digits worth of Sopranos episodes. And I believe uh, Mitchell Burgess and his wife, uh, Robin Green, were nominated uh, for 11 Emmy Awards for the Sopranos, and they won three of them. Holy shit. Well, uh, this wasn't one of them, though, right? Because we already know. Uh, is an earlier one this season, the one all... You can only get one per season, right? That's how it works? Uh, yeah, I don't know how it works because... Well, I mean, I guess as an actor, like Gandolfini can get nominated for a specific episode as an actor, but couldn't a writer get nominated for a different episode for writing? Mm, these are things we should yeah. probably know. <laughs> yes. We run a TV podcast. Um, but yes, we're going to discuss Full Leather Jacket, which is also the shortest episode of The Sopranos in the mm-hmm. world. Am I right? Yes. Yes, it is. I guess, what, 43 minutes or just mm. under 43 minutes? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of like standard for more like, I guess, a network show. HBO shows can range like anywhere from, I guess, 43 to like 52 or something like that. Or if you're Westworld, they're like, we're just doing an hour and five every episode for no reason. (laughs) Jim, they only feel like that. They're not actually that long. Um, But okay, do you want to just go through um, from the beginning? I I, want to just talk about the jacket first. So of course you do. (laughs) uh, I mean, it is like a common thing because I I always thought it was funny, uh, just like the way he says it and the way he brings it up. But I have noticed now that I'm like more in the Sopranos social media spheres, this is a common quote that everyone brings up and and references because, you know, he just nails it. But like, I mean, obviously, so for Tony, he doesn't like this jacket because it reminds him of I was like young, dumb Tony who looked up to this guy, uh, Richie April. And that's also why Richie likes the jacket, because it's this reminder of how he you know he took off he took it off Rocco DeMeo the toughest guy in Essex County no one thought he could do it but he did so it's it's obviously this passive aggressive like 
you know, remember when memento, right? Mm. Well, I didn't read it that way. Also, I was I was too busy wondering when he headed over to Essex in the UK. Yeah. I can only assume there is a, a, a like you took the name, like you take everything uh, for your names uh, in the US. But uh, but yeah, no, I, that does make sense. Though I didn't read that at all. I th- I was like surprised this episode, and I guess combining it with the past few episodes, it felt like wow, Richie's really trying, and Tony's being yes. kind of a dick. Well, because see, that's the thing. Like that's how I. I... I think I definitely read Tony's reaction to it that way. Like, well, I mean, plus it's just an ugly old jacket. Like, why would he want to wear it? Uh, yeah. Like, doesn't it's not flattering on him when he wears it. Uh, but I guess my read is, yeah, Tony doesn't want to wear it because it is this reminder of like how tough Richie was, I guess, and how he because he mentions like you and your uh, you and my kid brother would kill for this jacket like it's like a time when they looked up to him but then again i'm not so sure if richie's aware of what he's doing although i do feel like it's purposeful i do think richie's thinks he's being a nice guy or maybe i'm just looking way too into this jacket well no it's called full leather jacket (laughs) the episode so i mean it's important we're gonna talk about it the whole episode um i feel like he is i mean i i thought it was all bullshit when he was doing yoga when he was first back what well, kind of you know but he is a lot more zen than he's been since he's been together with uh janice not parvati anymore but janice and uh he seems really mellow in these past couple episodes and even when he like yeah he beat up i guess like a lost track of all the people he's been beating up and whatnot but after the executive card game he didn't go over that after that guy that tony told him not to go after and he did sort of step back a bit right Yes, yeah. I mean, from the the way things have played out, because we haven't, it hasn't been a thing that Tony's like steaming about. And yeah, I think they've gone out of their way to show that there are these scenes where they kind of break balls with each other, but it's not as uh, intense as what we saw when Richie first got on the scene and he was reminding him, like, I'm the motherfucking fucking one that calls the shots and all that. Like, there's a quick scene, I think it was in the last episode, where they just kind of joke in at the party. Like, oh, hey, Richie, you know, don't steal the furniture or whatever he says to him. Yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So there's just little sniping. But yeah, and then even earlier before the jacket, they're just kind of talking about a bootleg deal. They're getting, you know, he had the mummy before he's even in theaters uh, and, uh, you know, make these Nigerians uh, on the street look like, you know, small time. These are like full Hollywood movies. So it does seem like the relationship's a lot better. Um but I really feel I feel like deep down Richie knows what he's saying here with this fucking jacket, even though, yeah. yes, he's kind of being a nice guy. But and I also get Richie's side of it when he's insulted that he's not wearing the jacket because and the reason why Richie knows deep down is because every scene from and then on, he's always asking Tony where the jacket is. He's for yeah. no reason. He's like, why are you not wearing the jacket? Meanwhile, no one's wearing jackets. And the moment, and he's like, "Where's the jacket?" He's like, "It's in the car." I don't. What do you What do you want? Like, you want the jacket back? What's going on here? Yeah, it's not like Tony's. They're like, brr, brr, it's so cold." Uh, it is. Uh, it is uh, pretty warm. It seems like. And uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. There's also all this business with the ramp, of course. Yeah. Um, and you know, reading from that, he is kind of insulted. Like, what? You want me to buy a ramp? Because it seems ridiculous. It seems like that's really him. Like. 
a, a, a sign. It's like they say on Tony's side, like it's a symbol, you know, just a symbol of friendship. But for him, it's like that's a symbol of me bending over backwards mm. and uh, showing you my ass and whatnot, uh, as I'm sure he says in his mind. But he still sends guys over to do it. And then it's not really his fault that they're so dumb that they just tear up the place <laughs> and leave. Oh, no, no. Yeah, he did say, fault. oh, no, I had to have them come yeah. over and work on my house real yeah. quick. You know, your mother's house where I live. So maybe he does know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll back it up. We'll kind of get, we'll dip back into it as we go through the episode. This episode does start out with just a more normal Sopranos dinner. They're eating some uh, Chinese takeout, and we get some information that uh, Hunter Scangarelli got into her first choice for early acceptance. Mm. And I thought that was them, like, because she explains it so thoroughly, Carmilla, like, no, but it's only if you apply early <laughs> that you can get the thing. And I thought later when we get the the, the thing in the mail, um, I thought it was, you know, oh, it's been revealed that Hunter only early applied to Berkeley or wherever she wants to go. Yeah. Is that it? Oh, yeah. Meadow, yeah. Meadow just didn't apply Sorry. and only applied to Berkeley. Um, yeah, Meadow, Yeah, and I mean, there's some funny stuff going on here. Uh, Tony says something about what are they known for packing fudge. Uh, AJ makes a statement that he wants to go to Harvard or West Point, and then Tony even like makes fun of him for it. Like, uh, yeah, you'll watch those things on TV. You ain't going there because <laughs> he's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he has does have to crack the books. And speaking of cracking books. Uh, next we're cracking safes because uh, we open on a pretty good I mean that's a good cinematic choice of opening on this guard and it looks like he's sleeping at first and then the camera turns and he, oh he's sleeping on the floor oh there's blood there what the fuck is going on there's a guy shitting in the corner okay <laughs> yeah Chris and Matt and Sean they're cracking safes and Sean's taking a shit because as they say adrenaline affects everyone in different ways uh, back in the day big pussy uh, took a big shit. They thought a bear did it, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> is he shitting on the floor? Um. Oh, my God. Because he's he... sitting really weird. Like, that's not how you sit when you're on a toilet. He's squatted over, like... I guess, uh, yeah, I know? never thought of it. What a fucking extra insult to injury if he's just shitting on the floor. What an animal. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it, unless it was a Japanese squat toilet. I can't yeah. see mechanically how they can fit one under there. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe they just want to pretend there's a toilet there because it just worked for the shot. <laughs> but uh, or yeah, you could just take. I mean, he is a piece of shit, so maybe he's just shitting on the floor as an extra, like "fuck you" to the police. I mean, he takes a stocking and wipes his ass with it. There would have been toilet paper if there was a toilet there, and also it's just another room in this building. It's clearly not a bathroom. It has a carpet. Yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he's shitting on the floor. Yeah, I think you're right. And further emphasize. I mean, it's good because it shows us these two guys fucking weird these guys are so fucking they're not just stupid they're really weird and can't read signals at all of what you're supposed to do in any situation building us up towards later in the episode yeah and they get this small nugget of information here that kind of uh buds into a shit tree i guess where they learn how you know big pussy uh used to crack safes it's like why would that be some sort of uh like question because they're even like Wow, you mean um, Sal Bump and Sarah would crack at safes as well? And they're like, yeah, till he stood up for Johnny Boy's Soprano in the big unrest of 83 or whatever the hell it is, he says. But they take from it as like, oh, like, you know, as we see later on, like they need to do a thing. They need to step up. Uh, much oh. like Beansy was going to step up 
And you look what happened with him when he stepped up. So it's not always a good idea to step up when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, they don't know what stepping up means. Is I, I I'm like, oh, that's what I. You're right. That's what that meant. I thought it would have meant like, oh, even we can grow if we're patient and yeah. do our due diligence and keep cracking these safes. And I, by the way, I guess I, it is like they they go do a good job of showing that it's boring labor. We're just here hammering away and whatever. So it's kind of not glamorous. But still, as a viewer, I'm like, well, you're cracking safes. That's yeah. a bit of cat burglary. That's a that's a little cooler than just uh, beating up stockbrokers. Yeah, I mean, and it is interesting because as we see this play out, like, because their big thing is, you know, uh, they're much like Christopher last season and kind of still Christopher in general. They think they're owed more. But it's like, I feel like if they just kept doing what they were doing, they definitely would have moved up because Tony does know who they are. Uh, I yeah. mean, as we get to the scene later on, he's just not like friends with them but he he knows who they are they worked the big card game they're kicking up money they're being good earners but they're fucking dumb <laughs> so and weirdos like you said yes and i almost had a i had a, like the sopranos would never do this but i had a flash of what happens in other shows where they just shoot it in one order and then broadcast it in a different order for some reason when they were like oh shit there's tony oh what are we gonna do and i was like you were work he was telling you what to do at the and then later he says like oh we were at the executive card game and it's like yeah, we know you were there. You were working with t- for Tony, and you still can't see that you're moving up slowly. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and you're so fucking. Oh my God, it's Tony! <laughs> like the last time he's like they saw him in the car when they were doing the big protest thing. You know, they were coming up to their car. Hey, Tony, Mr. Mob Boss, and he was uh, like, "We fucking idiots!" And he had to drive away. Yeah. Um, if that was the last time they saw Tony, then it would make sense that they're like, "Oh, we gotta follow him into the bathroom to corner him," but um. Yeah, they're just that dumb, I guess. Yeah, and well, and I think it relates to what they're talking about here. They somehow think that. I mean, I think they even say, uh, or maybe it's the other safe scene when they talk about like how it's an honor to kick up to T or whatever. Oh, and it's great how in that other episode we tried to call him T. But uh, <laughs> I think this is them thinking that it's like a move, like a step up, like they're being like Sal Bump and Sarah. They're gonna go in and say hi and. Ah, I mean, it's hard to really get into Matt and Sean's mindset. They're fucking so dumb. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we have a scene where Carmilla can't sleep, and she's watching watching these TV ads and talking about SAT scores, and it only matters how many buildings you buy. That's how you get into college. And we've talked about this before. It's nice that you and I never had to worry about these things, Jim, <laughs> Yeah, one way or another. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can imagine uh, Tony's just like, how, how like you want me to buy them a building like what are you talking about um but this is like the start of her arc which is all about getting a letter of recommendation for Janine Cusimano's sister played by the same actress yeah which so. i and like i said i've watched this show a bunch of times i've never paid attention enough to realize until now that yes it was the same actress playing <laughs> both of those characters i honestly yeah. never thought about it i uh and I was like, wait a minute, is that the same? Like, they're going with the old split screen special effects just for this uh, character here? And yes, they are. Yeah, I didn't think of it either, to be honest. Um, well, speaking of uh, our, our Chippendale, they do show up to Richie's place. And I know I don't know exactly where this is, but we have seen it before when... Oh, sorry, I, I totally messed this up. It's obviously not that yet. No, We're yeah, in Richie's place anyway, but it yes. is... Uh, uh, it's uh, Polly and, and Silvio show Silvio. up, and this yeah. is where they talk about um, 
building the ramp. And I'm I'm yeah. trying to remember. I, I is this? They mentioned that he's a captain. Is this new information? Is this like? Uh, did we realize this before? I can't quite remember. I've like lost a bit of track on who's what in this situation. Um, because. I, I think it's new. I mean, they certainly never said, you're a captain yeah. now, son. And they do um, kind of do it in this scene to almost tell us that, because he even says, like, you're a captain now. And what they're saying does make sense, though. I mean, we've seen similar things where, yeah, maybe you you killed someone's son or you fucking, you know, did whatever, so you have to make peace with this small uh, restitution. But, uh, yeah, to Richie, this is a weird way of admitting he was wrong i guess so he's not going to have that and he's especially not going to have someone like tony soprano tell him that he has to build a ramp yeah which is you know he if he is a captain now he obviously doesn't want to build the ramp but he doesn't want to kill christopher Moltisani either so (laughs) you know uh it's a bit of a balance strike um and yes so yeah genie and carmela that's what yeah carmela goes over and finds genie like working in her garden or something in the backyard and introduces this idea of writing a letter to georgetown and i do like this um i mean we've seen it a little bit with the kusamanos where you know they like the idea of living next to a mob family but then they also get very paranoid when they have to interact with them or do them a favor i guess uh, i think they lost some of that glamour after uh they got the box yes uh the box of sand or whatever it was that tony filled with that we ended on in that one episode where they're standing there looking at it and i i that box swam up so vividly in my mind during this scene because it was like Oh, she's she's thinking of the box right now. She's thinking of it's like do this or you die, and uh, I guess it's a it is a question throughout how much is Carmilla actually swinging that around, and how much is he just swinging around thinking that everything's going to work out for her because it's neighborly. Yeah, I think Carmilla knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, because I I feel like that's the big thing of Carmilla is that. You know, she'll cry to her priest or what have you about the sin and this life. But as we've seen in the past, she, you know, she couldn't live any other way like this. You know, she loves everything that comes along with it as far as the house and uh, the money and the security and the ability to yeah send your kids to these colleges and stuff like that. Uh, So I feel like she knows exactly what she's doing. Well, I feel like she knows exactly what she's doing in the later scene with the sister. Sure. In this scene, it was, it felt a bit more comedic in my mind because yeah. she's there like just smiling like, maybe, come on, please, I'm sorry to ask this. But at the same time, and we see the other character, uh, Jeannie, look totally like terrified or like realizing, yeah. oh, this is one of the mob threats I see on, in the movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's how she means it. Not yet anyway. Well, I do. I think she knows the intimidation she has because i go back to that scene with the recital when they mention that meadow now has a solo and then carmela goes oh uh, what a lucky break i wonder what happened but she knows exactly what happened uh but yeah i mean uh, i i think she just knows that the the intimidation's there she's not necessarily playing to it but i think she understands that no matter what she can make this happen yeah, speaking of intimidation and knowing no matter what, you can make this happen, Richie goes to Beansy next, <laughs> yeah. um, who's getting physical therapy and uh, still got this collar around his neck. And uh, the ther- physical therapist steps out 
and uh, Richie tries to squeeze him for some information on, like, what, wh- why'd you go try- crying to Tony Sopranos? I would have built you the ramp if you'd just asked me, yeah. it seems like he's saying, yeah. which is crazy talk, isn't it? It is, but also I think if he asked him, he would have, but he would have done it in a, like, and then one day I may ask you for a favor, young Beansy. Yeah. You know, it would have been, it wouldn't have been without owing him something. Whereas this, uh, maybe that's part of why he's annoyed too, is that he's being told to do it. So he's not going to get anything out of it in the back end. Yeah, I, I wonder too. I mean, I can only assume that he's not getting any money from Beansy <laughs> at this point. I mean, that was his whole thing. That's why he was beating out him up that he wanted a cut of like the pizza, a slice of the pizza, if you will. Um, or sandwiches or whatever the fuck he sold. Um, but uh, it's not, but they still have this history and this relationship. So that's why he can lean in and say, Hey, if you want to say something to me, you can say it to me, but don't go crying to Tony Soprano one more time or I'll take away your arms too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Great Richie scene. And I do get the impression that Beansy really doesn't know what he's, what he's talking about. It's, I don't think yeah, that no. he cried to him or anything like that. Uh, but then after that, we get a perfect Christopher Montesanti proposal uh, in the only way that Chris can do, where he's just banging on the door of Aid's mother's house. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it is interesting that, like, uh, this, there was real fallout from Christopher's, uh, the way he acted in the last episode. Because yeah. I, even though I knew Adriana was upset and she wouldn't talk to him at the confirmation party, I just assumed it was one of those things they'd be back together, but... You know, she's still upset. He poured his wine in his soup and embarrassed her. Uh, so Christopher has to, like, push her mother out of the way and steal the phone from her so she can't call 911. And he's like, I bought you a ring and everything. I want to marry you. Yes. This does feel like a scene directly out of Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, where we have, you know, uh, I don't remember the characters' names, but, you know, showing up at your girlfriend's mother's place and all the, like, furniture and curtains and stuff are all kind of different than what a modern person would have. And uh, and then you have this big shouting argument about getting, ma- I want to marry you, and then what does the mother think of this and that? As you said, it's a perfect mob proposal. Yes, yes. And it immediately wins Adriana over... She loves her ring, as we learn later. Uh, and then we get to uh, Junior. The jacket. And, yeah. <laughs> Junior and Tony are talking about bootlegs, and Richie shows up because he's kind of the connection, so they're talking a little business. Junior's uh, out grocery shopping because he gets something from Tony's garden or whatever they're talking about. And I, I think it's interesting the way this plays out, uh, besides the jacket that's going on, because Junior and... Um, uh, Bobby are like in the background, but Junior's clearly listening to what they're talking about. Yep. And it's interesting because Richie, of course, is being Richie to Tony. But when Junior says like terrible accident that happened to that kid, then Richie kind of changes because he clearly like looks up more to Junior, both because it's like it's definitely more like an age thing. And I guess I can understand it. Like if your kid's brother's friend is now your boss, you don't yeah. respect him. But then the you know this uh, elder wiser man like you look to him more as a leader because uh, it's not as embarrassing I guess I don't know uh, but it's interesting the way Junior keeps kind of like popping into the conversation but then of course we get the jacket 
Yes, which was in his trunk, so he was going to, even though he was mad about the ramp, uh, <laughs> he was still going to give the jacket, which adds to your theory that he maybe knows what he's doing a little bit. Uh, we have the whole scene from the beginning clip of this episode of Cut to Black. I'll say, like, I had a hard time reading his, Tony's expression towards the end. Mm. Like, didn't he look a bit touched? Or was he just um, embarrassed by this weird jacket? It's hard to say. I mean, I definitely read it as like, I don't. I read it as because even when he puts it on, well, because part of it is like Tony's obviously like a bigger dude, um, and when he puts it on, like it's not very flattering. He does that weird yeah. moment where he kind of like sniffs it, like <laughs> sniffs the yeah. jacket. I guess yeah. I guess you're right. There's. A, I think there's a little bit of like. I think there is a little bit of that he appreciates the gesture, but then I think most of it is kind of this passive. He feels like it's this passive aggressive reminder of like, I'm the toughest guy. I took this jacket off the tough guy and I'm just going to give it to you. Uh, and you, you've had things given to you or something, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, he, he, is, he sniffs it and then he does, his eyes do a little fluttery thing and he says, thanks. And that's when I was like, is it just the smell that's making your eyes <laughs> flutter? Or are you like feeling a stirring in your cold heart, Tony? Cause I did, I also like, they throw out a lot of things about the toughest guy in this county and I beat him up, you know, but he never showed his face and your brother and or my my little brother and you would have loved to have this. And I don't know the history exactly. Like, I don't, I, it's hard for me to read just from that line. Did he and his brother actually want the jacket? So that's yeah. at the end of the scene. I read that as like, oh, he did want the jacket, but not like this, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think I could see that because I think it's just the fact that like he's pointing out that Richie took it off of a guy to show how tough he was, but he's just handing it to Tony. Um, I think there's a lot there. But like the Tao says, you shut one door so you can open another door. <laughs> yes. One way or another, he doesn't know what to do with this because yeah. Richie is acting very differently, and he does say thanks. And he, if you look at his face in the wide shot afterwards, he's kind of like, oh, mm, okay, I guess. <laughs> like he, he doesn't. He, he's used to just fighting with Richie and this is like Richie being overly nice and maybe passive aggressive, but Tony does not how to know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we got Carmela finds a letter from Berkeley uh, and it says, uh, you know, incomplete transcripts or something like, please get this information up to date or you'll lose your uh, application. And she throws it in the trash. Yeah. Like I said, I thought that was uh, Meadow, it revealed that Meadow had only applied to this college that they don't want her to go to. Uh, but no, it's just about Carmilla's character and her not wanting her little bird to fly too far from the nest. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought like, oh, wow, Carmilla's a terrible person. And then she comes back in the night. And I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Because like, yeah. it would have been a very flat, boring thing if she just left it there. And then like Meadow finds it. It's better... Then she does this, and Meadow's like, "What did you do to my letter?" And it's like, "Yeah, she wishes she hadn't done that, and she had to like." That's where, when it where it shows that there's more going on than just like, "I'm gonna get my girl into the school I want." Yes, yeah, and again, like she gets up in the middle of the night to take it out of the trash. So I mean, you could see that she's probably just sitting there thinking, like, "Oh, why would I do that? Am I this person? Why would I do that to my child?" And takes it out, but yeah, it's like covered in ash or something now, <laughs> like food and shit. <laughs> yes. Um. So we get a, a second, uh, safe cracking scene in another business establishment, and um, 
Uh, yeah, we already mentioned kind of what they talk about, about it would be an honor to kick up to Tony and Christopher says it comes out of your end. That's how it is in the beginning. And they're still, you know, down with that. We're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. And I mean, so, yeah. I, I feel like in the first safe cracking scene, the morsel of information that they take to heart is the like how big pussy kind of did this grand gesture and then is moved up and now he's a captain. And then what they take from here is because then uh, Christopher points out, can you imagine being in this office day after day, year after year? Uh, Mm. And I mean, if you are like a criminal where you get easy money and stuff like that, it's I mean, well, even when you have to work there, you're still like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to fucking come in here day (laughs) after day, year after year. But they're taking that in their uh, like uh, little minds to kind of uh, as a shot at where they're at and thinking they're going to be stuck even though as we see like when they're sitting in their apartment they have all this shit they have like stolen stereos nice tv they have like thousands of dollars um i mean again it's not like i'm not saying hey we should all strive to be this criminal but you're sitting pretty pretty and you don't have to do anything for the most part yeah and again it makes these characters look pretty ridiculous including the shitting thing i don't know if you watch it with subtitles but this time when he's applying hand sanitizer it's just a subtitled parentheses farting because he's just (laughs) farting even after he's done and it's like showing how ridiculous these characters are kind of uh you know preparing us for what's to come yeah hey no more bean burritos or we're not doing another job together again or whatever it is yeah exactly just could say the same about our podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But uh, I said preparing, but I guess what I meant was the opposite of like n- making us not think that they're going to do something like that. Yes. Yeah. Because they're ridiculous. And uh, yeah, we mentioned Carmela takes the letter from the trash. Then we cut back to uh, Matt and Sean. They get to see Richie. And I like the reason why they get to see Richie is because they ask another guy like if they could talk to him because this other guy's like, oh, you know, hey, they were in the neighborhood. They said they wanted to say hi. Because, yeah. again, they're just always in awe of these uh, mob guys who, you know, as we know as the viewer, I mean, Tony Soprano's obviously doing really well. I mean, Richie's doing okay, but it's not like he's living in the lap of luxury. He's still just this fucking guy sitting in a like it was smoke shop, whatever the fuck that place is that he's in all the time. Uh, but, of course, they're in awe, and he starts making jokes about Chris Moltisanti's nose. He has a camel nose. Uh, and yeah. I, what do they say? You can't make that shit up. And he goes, what are you talking about? I just did. <laughs> He's so cool yes. in this scene. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, uh, like he says, if, if, uh, Christopher lays his hand on his niece again, I'm going to tear him apart. But it's like, Christopher doesn't even do that this episode. In fact, he asked him to get married and he even said, and I mean, Richie doesn't know that yet. I would assume, yeah. but he did say, "Hey, give her your last name. Then it's none of my business." So he's even more in the clear. Yep, yep. These guys don't get it though. They're all about listening to how his nose is natural canopy in the rain. <laughs> he can still smoke. So, but he even says like the kid, the kid has his good points. And uh, one of Chip and Dale, I don't know their names, is Matt like, "Oh Sean. yeah, he's my homie." Uh, oh, he goes, yeah. What? what? <laughs> He goes, oh, well, you know, he lives near me or something like that. He's like, why don't you just say that? You want to talk like a Moulinian, go to slip and fall school? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is that? Is that like, uh, what is that? Is I honestly that like- don't know. I assume it's like, I mean, uh, you could, uh, some people do uh, fake, sli- like you slip yeah, and fall on like a place. Yeah, like slip and, and Jimmy. S- yeah, yeah, like slip and Jimmy. So I assume he's referencing that somehow. 
Mulians are black people. I don't, I, not that I've known that they're known for insurance scams more than anyone else, but to Richie they yeah. are. Uh, but it is interesting too, because like you said, in these other scenes, they don't seem really fed up. Like they're kind of still hanging with Christopher. They're happy to kick up money, but that just shows how like ADD short-sighted they are uh, once they're around someone who makes fun of christopher now they don't respect christopher although i guess they kind of didn't after uh when they had to buy the fish that yeah, we did see some seeds of this there yeah yeah there was a bit back and forth uh on that but yes they still respect tony a lot and they gotta know that christopher works for tony right <laughs> yeah so it's still very stupid <laughs> yeah. um so uh, we did skip over the scene where the guys show up to install the ramp and the wife is like, get uh, the fuck out of here. And it is funny that it's so clearly just Tony who wants this ramp to be built. No one else wants this ramp to be built. Beansy, Beansy doesn't want Richie in his life. He doesn't want Richie's people in his house widening his doorways. <laughs> he wants that as far away. And he doesn't want Richie to be any more mad at him, which is the whole reason he was in this mess. But Tony's doing that just to sort of put Richie in his place. Of course, his wife, they nobody told her this was happening. So when someone shows up and they're working for the guy who mutilated your husband and, uh, hey, we want to mutilate your house too, of course she's not enthused about it. Yeah, actually, that's I, that's interesting. I never really thought about it. I guess it's the the ramp is like Tony's jacket, basically, that yeah. that he's giving to Richie. Uh, they're both doing this weird passive aggressive, like Tony's showing his, uh, you know, power as the boss to kind of make him do this, it, like irregardless to how it's negatively affecting Beansy and his family. I mean, it's a it's a good idea, but yeah, it's almost like. I mean, they do bring up the car again, uh, and it's not quite the same thing as that or the truck that he gave Meadow. But it is, it's almost like if Tony really cared, he could have just had some guys go out there and put a ramp in and stuff. Uh, he didn't have to make it be Richie that's doing it. It's not, I don't, it's not like I think that's going to like cost Tony a lot of money. He has these weird construction guys and these union deals. He could definitely have made, pulled some strings and just made them put in a ramp and stuff. Yes, uh, so both Richie and Tony are ramping it up in their own ways. Yes. Um, then we move on to the scene with the two sisters. Uh, I guess there's not really a... Maybe there's a split screen in here, but they just do over-the-shoulder shots. There's one uh, wide kinda, shot, because that's uh, the only thing I, I would thought about. There's one wide shot where she kind of... She faces the... Like, she puts her back to her sister and, like, walks towards camera, and you see the sister in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's only one. Everything else is, yeah, over-the-shoulder. But yes, the scene is basically like it's just it's just her saying, no, of course, I'm not doing that. And uh, that's about that, you know. Yeah. And it's I like the um, like where she's like, I'm a a Nigerian boy who's a 5.2 grade point average. And she says it in a way, even though I don't know anything about this character, I just feel like. She's not like she's doing it, but not out of a genuine care. It's it's kind of just another like braggadocious thing to say, like, oh, I helped a Nigerian boy who lives in the projects or whatever. Yeah, she does say that she has a reputation to uphold, yes, which yeah. is why she can't recommend some mobster's <laughs> daughter and doesn't want them in her alma mater or anything like that. Um, so that also goes hand in hand with, well, of course, I have to recommend someone who's the perfect person to recommend. Yeah. Um, so there's another family dinner where we get to see Carmilla's parents again. They haven't been around for a while. Mm. 
And then Richie and Janice show up, and they add a couple more places. And uh, I believe Richie asks about the jacket again here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, uh, of course. And uh, I, I mean, Tony can't help but uh, take a small ding at Janice when, when uh, Carmela's like, oh, no, no, don't get up. Janice, don't get up. And, but Janice is drinking wine. And so yes. he's like, "Oh yeah, no, Janice, don't don't get up." And uh, and he also has to take a snipe at Richie because he meant he calls uh, Livia Ma because they're working mm-hmm. on Ma's house. Um, yeah, but the main thing is that Meadow shows up late and uh, finds her Berkeley letter while Carmilla gets the call from Jeannie uh, that you know her sister's not going to write the letter. Yes, and this is Jeannie trying to be less of a pushover. As like, oh, yeah, great. Okay, I got to go. Bye. (laughs) Still sort of running away by hanging up the phone. And And so, of course, Carmela goes over to this office with food, as you do. You know, it's your weapon. And uh, if you give someone food, then they have to do what you say. It's uh, old uh, Italian magic. Yeah, and she kind of, you know, she lays it on thick. uh, but, uh, But, like, also... Even when she has the idea of like, oh, I thought about that. You could say that, oh, the Nigerian boy, uh, Georgetown, wasn't actually his first choice. He was using it as a backup, like some convoluted thing to make the Nigerian boy kind of a piece of shit, basically. Yeah. Uh, But the thing is, the thing I got to wonder, what she says, like, uh, I'm an officer of the court. And then Carmela's like, well, you're a lawyer. Like, she corrects her. (laughs) Um like i guess do you buy that uh what's her sister's name joan no not joan um what the hell is her sister's uh name i don't know oh no no okay it is joan i'm sorry yeah it is joan um okay do you buy that she's intimidated that she goes to, to go through with this letter no not really that's what's kind of surprised me on this um because it's almost like there's a scene missing or something of her reading in the news about Beansy getting killed or, <laughs> or no, yeah, reading about Christopher Moltisani getting shot or whatever. Uh, and maybe Carmilla mentions Christopher. I mean, that would be, this is stupid, obviously, but I'm just saying there's kind of, it's kind of surprising that she does it because she's so adamant, like, no, of course I'm not doing that. And she's not really giving given any extra reason to do it, especially considering that I almost thought it could go the other way where she is, you know, an officer of the court or whatever. Um, yeah. That is true. And she knows the law. And uh, although maybe that means, I mean, guess, I guess what Carmilla is doing is like not even a little bit illegal if you think about it. True. But it's still kind of a threat. But I don't I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I'm with you. It, it does feel like a weird leap, like um, that she she would go there to do it but also i i'm with carmilla like you send one letter you can't send another letter is that really a thing like she can't send two um but i mean either way the you know what we get from it is that carmilla is not afraid to kind of throw her weight around i guess it does make sense like if joan did try to like go to the courts she that would be even worse for her reputation because yeah what did she do she showed up and gave her food and asked her to write the letter (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's true. But I mean, if anything more was to come of it, if they actually yeah. made good on this implied threat, uh, she she she's trying to say, like, I'm not some pushover, but hey, that's what Beansy said. So, you know, yeah. maybe she'll need a ramp in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we have the scene in the bathroom, like <laughs> we mentioned, 
where first they're just sitting around and looking at all these other losers in the strip club and kind of realizing like shit we really got to do something i think this is where they come to that realization right yes yeah because they it's kind of they're taking what chris said about day after day year after year and they're looking around there's a lot of old guys hanging out in the bing although i don't think those guys were cracking safes and connected guys i think they're just kind of losers that go to the strip club you if you're if you're fed up with that you just don't have to go to the strip club all the time unless you're there for business but also, I got I got to apologize. That scene is actually later because uh, that's after they get extorted by F- Fiorio and all that. Um, so they don't look around the strip club yet. No, no, that's a, that, for my notes. That's a, the Furio scenes after this one. Yes, but in this scene, they don't look around at the guys. That's in the later one. There's Are a later you sure? Because I haven't. Uh, I thought I had it in my notes that they're at the Bing here, and this is where they're looking around. But may, I could be wrong. Yeah, I got the episode up here on my side screen. So, uh, okay. yes. <laughs> okay. They just see Tony is like the start of this scene. Uh, and gotcha. They're looking at the strippers, and then they go in and talk to Tony about how they'd like to break one off oh, in that stripper's yeah, ass. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I mean, because it's kind of like the same scene then. Like, all right, yeah. I, I got you now. Yeah, because they are at the Bing, but they're they're not at that realization yet. They see Tony, yes. and yeah, they go in. Yeah, I want to break my dick off in his ass. And then Sean says, Sean's just washing his hands the whole time. Yes. And he, you know, mentioned now he doesn't need to use the bathroom. Come on, yeah. Sean, you've had yeah. you've, you got all your shit out of there, I guess. In these yeah. <laughs> two two separate scenes, we've seen you use the bathroom. Now you're actually in a real bathroom. You can't get to it. You just gotta wash your hands, man. And then he, yeah, he has to bring up the safes and kicking up money. And of course, Tony's uh. like, "Ever heard of fucking wires or uh, wiretaps?" And then Sean's like, "You always do that." To, uh, to Matt, he's like, you always get quiet. Leave me in the motherfucking cock-sucking wind. I, I, I just love his uh, line reading on there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so uh, now Richie's hanging out again in front of the meat shop, and uh, Tony wants to buy him a coffee and uh, just talk to him a little bit about this whole ramp situation still. Um, and this is where we find out. Yeah, no, I had to have them go or... What does happen in the scene? I well, that, yeah, you're right. Before Tony shows up, Polly and Sylvia are talking to Richie about the ramp. And then, yeah, they, they, they're like, you know, Beansy's wife said your guys are out there. They tore everything up and they haven't been back since. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like I had to pull them off uh, that job to work on um, Janice's mother's house, which, if you remember correctly, is also our boss's mother's house. Like Tony gives a fuck about that house, by the way. <laughs> Yes, yes. Which I mean, he is acting like they're they're acting like any like if you got any construction work crew off the street to do it, the exact same thing would happen. Uh, <laughs> they would just do it and then leave, and then you didn't like trying to call them and you can't reach them. That does happen. So maybe he's just acting according to I don't know union rules or something. Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. Then, yeah, Tony shows up. I think he asks him about the jacket again, and he says it's in the car. Uh, he's trying to tell Richie to kind of calm down a little bit. Um, I forget if they talk about anything else in particular, because he's still kind of annoyed about the ramp. Yes. I mean, this is the shortest episode, and I do notice that some of these scenes are kind of short, uh, sort of jumping us from here to there in the story. And uh we have uh, Mrs. Cusimano showing up again now and saying, uh, hey, she actually did write the letter. And at this point, I even thought, did she write the letter? Did she, yeah. like, fake a letter? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. But Carmela does ask for a copy of it. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get that for you. <laughs> no problem. And then we have the scene with Furio yeah, showing up to uh, 
to get some extra money out of these guys. And they're really sort of nice and respectful and they actually don't mind kicking up money like they said earlier, but then they have to ask for another thousand. And I don't know who asked for that extra thousand. Like what's going on there, Jim? Well, Furio just realizes that these guys uh, are easily push pushovers, basically. Like, because they're kind of being too, like, thankful to give money, and yeah. so Furio's like, you know what? I want a thousand dollars for me. So yeah. give me a thousand dollars right now. Um, I mean, before that, because they're even like when the when Furio's banging on the door, when he tries to hide his bong and he just like puts a <laughs> shirt over it. And then, but then yep. they have a gun, and they don't like they don't know where to put the gun. <laughs> They're just sitting there in their underwear, watching music videos. They're uh, smoking, and they're annoyed that the there's a uh, you know they don't want to kick the bass up on that TV. Yeah, Furio comes in to collect the money. They're like offering him drinks and shit, and then Furio's like, uh, "I'm tougher than these guys. Give me a thousand dollars." So Furio, not as great of an investment as he seemed, maybe, because this causes someone to get shot, basically, that he just decided to grab an extra thousand. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I think things were building either way where they thought they had to make a change. Yeah. Um, and you're right, this is kind of like a, a tipping point, uh, almost, that does push them over to make them feel like... like Because they are happy to kick up money, but now they feel like shit that they're just being bossed around and... You know, these two suck each other's cocks uh, <laughs> or whatever. Yep. And, and it's th- the best thing that Furio does, never mind shaking them down for $1,000, never mind making fun of their underwear that's on the wall or whatever it is and that they suck each other's cocks. It's the fact that he doesn't close the door when he leaves. He just walks uh, out, leaves the door open. It's such a fucking uh, alpha insult move. Well, he could have got uh, one up th- that and just grabbed the TV when he left. You know, <laughs> HD already. Yeah. Very good TV. <laughs> this is not my accent. Um, so, yeah. And also, f- these guys suck each other's cocks. What is he in our fucking comment section, Jim? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, Am I right? Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, leave a review on <laughs> iTunes, everybody. Um, so, we have. Um, Christopher and Adriana in bed, and he says, if I knew it was going to keep getting better, I would have asked you to marry me sooner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's like, like, it wasn't always good. And um, Christopher gets to have a little nice chat about how he realized he was losing focus. It's going to be no more drugs, no more getting shot. He's going to be on the straight and narrow from here on out. Mm-hmm. And boy, it's all going to be easy living. Yeah, I mean, these are, in hindsight, scenes where people make <laughs> declarations that you're like, Oh, that's yeah. why he's talking about. Uh, but it's nice because it does make sense, at least from Christopher, because even if what happens at the episode doesn't happen, it just feels like Christopher will be in a good mood and think he's going to fix things. And then two days later, he's crying about his script and like smoking fucking uh, crack or whatever. So, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So then speaking of uh, betrayals, uh, like we'll see later, the worst betrayal in this episode is clearly when Richie shows up to the house hmm. and he brings some something. It's like some remotely. tomatoes yeah. or some weird tomatoes that he made. Like, and the thing about the thing that's so heartbreaking about this scene is Richie's being so sweet in this scene to Carmelo. Yeah. Like, he's really happy, and uh, I think Carmelo's really happy to see him as well. And they're kind of just BSing about uh, Janice and. The, she, I mean, Carmela thinks the kids are going to be so excited for the tomatoes or whatever it is that he brought over. Uh, he has yeah. some line, but I couldn't make out what he says. Or he's like, you and I are the only two 
Uh, do you still have it up with subtitles? I'll try to find it, yeah. Okay. It's like right after he gives her the food, he says like, he makes, I think it's like a pun joke about the tomatoes or whatever that he gives her. It's not tomatoes. It's like the name of the dish. Okay. Uh, whatever it is, like tarp or tart. Yes. Uh, it, something like that. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. No, you're right. Here's some tripe and tomatoes I made. Yeah. Which is apparently a dish. <laughs> and then at, at, towards the end of that, he goes, you and I are the only two that's something, something. Yeah. Just Sorry Googling to put things... tripe and tomatoes here, but uh, yeah. uh, it comes up tripe and tomatoes sopranos. Google auto suggests <laughs> for me. Just uh, I, I think I can Google that without spoilers. And yes, indeed, it is this scene. Everyone else who's trying to figure out what the fuck is in that glass little pan thing. Well, because I mean, I even like she brought a regat pie to uh, the Cusimano, and I don't really even know what that is. Hmm. A rica- yeah, you're, or, or you a ricotta know. pie. Okay, they're a ricotta that they call ricotta. 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 But uh, anyway, um, not only is he not wearing the jacket, not only is it in the closet buried beha- under everything, it's also underlined that, oh, we have this extra TV or whatever. We give things mm-hmm. we don't need yep. to, uh, to the maid and her husband. And the husband comes in wearing what not, if, well, you know, what if not, the jacket. The jacket. It's a beautiful jacket. It's a nice jacket. Mm. It's a beautiful jacket. And well, he, he is a mechanical engineer. Uh, he's he, from Poland, um, so he might be uh, might be closer to Essex than any <laughs> of these other characters. Um, but now he drives a cab here. It's so sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and and the look. Richie on, looks so heartbroken. Yes, by the way, the look on his face, and then he's even like. I got to get out of here. He's like, I got to go. Like, he can't even (laughs) contain himself. He's got to get out of there. I'm going to cry. So then we have the scene with uh, back in the Bing, looking around at all these old losers just sitting here, just like us. Yeah, exactly. And and this is what we're going to do day after day, year after year. I don't think so. We're Matt and Sean. We're going to turn things around. (laughs) Yeah. Again, is this just a conversation we're having between you and me, or is this in the show? I don't know. Uh, we will be here all year, everyone. Uh, please check in and subscribe for uh, all your Sopranos coverage. They decide to do something. I can't, like, it's, like, let's talk about the ending, uh, because it's so out of the blue and yet makes perfect sense because they've made these characters so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it makes sense, and it, like, I see it when, like, in, in the way they shoot it, when Christopher's kind of like, oh, hey, and then we see him in the window kind of like, oh, hey, Christopher, whatever he says. And just in that shot, you can tell that something's going to happen because, yeah. I don't know, because of the way they shoot it. But it's still like, what the fuck? You guys are so <laughs> stupid. And it's like, wait, what was the plan here? Like trying to understand it. And then later when they show up, like, yeah, because, you know, you hate him. So we, we killed him, right? So now you want to bump us up. We're with you now. And Ugh. it's like, wow, this is like really what happens when you give anyone a gun like usa usa yeah yeah uh richie's reaction is perfect because he's like who asked you to do that and it's like you hate him you know he hit your uh niece or whatever and he's just like no you fucking moron and yeah we're with you you gotta hide me you gotta protect me and then he's of course chases him down the street with a bat and uh i think he even says that's Beforehand, he's like, that's all I need is that fucking backstabbing, un- ungrateful, you know, Tony Soprano thing. I had anything to do with this because he's already yeah. hurt about the jacket. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the backstab. I didn't even realize. You're right. And um, 
Okay, so now as they're dying, I will learn their names. What is the name of the guy who gets killed? Is that Sean? Sean, yes. And he, I mean, I think they put this out in the wiki, but it's because of his seatbelt, much like Livia Soprano was saying. You know, his seatbelt gets stuck, so he gets a bullet in the head, and then Matt is, like, very sad about that because it's his friend, and uh, they're just kind of shooting back and forth as he's running away. And while this is shocking, I'll say... I, even as he's getting shot, I feel like, and maybe this show will prove me wrong in the future, um, it's just something you get used to from from watching TV. I feel like in that moment, I know Christopher is going to be okay. Like, I'm not real. I don't think he's going to die. If they'd shot him in the head, like, because it would have been such a dumb anticlimactic end, it would be like something that would happen in Game of Thrones, but worse because it's just out of nowhere it felt like so i felt like uh, this is shocking obviously but it's still not a huge moment for me sopranos wise mm. uh it's kind of like whoa that was fucking weird and i'm like okay he'll probably be walking way quicker than beansy i think <laughs> uh well yeah i mean i guess we'll have to see how it plays out uh yeah. I, I i i see what you're saying though too um i mean i i guess in the moment Probably in the moment when it's just season two of the show and this happens at the end of the episode, it's probably way more of a like what the fuck moment uh, where it feels like things anything can happen. Uh, But yeah, with the way things play out here and what's happening, it does seem like it's more about what this could mean for like Tony and Richie and um, uh, just these like characters and how they're going to deal with this happening rather than you know setting up a big death but there is a death that happens so Mm. there is a there is one sean who we do see die so we gotta go ahead and add that to the fucking counter and i'm even trying to remember how does my counter go again (laughs) (laughs) well oh no here we go we have a sound yeah we ready yep there we go sean i was I almost thought it was going to be like, well, it sounds like he says, got some malanga, but he's actually saying the jacket in a really weird (laughs) accent. And that's why we were saying I would never look at it the same way. So for everyone listening at home, we are at now 18 confirmed kills against eight confirmed walkouts. Well, we did uh, skip the scene where we basically almost had a walkout, but Tony Tony got the better of himself and decided... He was just going to sit there, but he's done talking. So it is kind of some growth for Tony Soprano because he doesn't storm out angrily, but he gets angry enough that he's not going to talk anymore. Tony's such a tease in that scene because I was. <laughs> he says, like, he's going to leave. And she even says, like, but we still have time. And I'm like, well, if they still have time and he leaves, we know it's a confirmed walkout. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm just going to sit here and be a mature man about this and uh, wear my suit. Why is he wearing that suit? He looks really fancy, like he's going to a big event. Oh, yeah, he's wearing a suit. I don't think I noticed it uh, initially. Uh, in their uh, therapy scene, they kind of do go over what we already spoke about with the ha- Happy Wanderer. It is interesting that they revisit this to kind of explain it here. Um, I guess they kind of put a little bit more of a twist on it because they try to twist it into being a good thing. At least um, that's what Melfi's doing. And that's what kind of makes Tony upset is he, I, I guess he doesn't want to think that it's a good thing. I mean, because it's still not a good thing, but 
uh, it's, 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 it's enlightening her about the ambiguities of the world and she can't think it's all black and white and stuff like that. And it, it did strike me that this scene is basically like a Soprano sit down where they sit down and discuss the previous episodes (laughs) and like, but what did Tony mean when he did this? And that's like what the therapy scene does here. And it's interesting how therapy, what it is in the show is changing and, and can be different things at different times because i really did think at the beginning like oh yeah this is the big framing device of the show or whatever and uh, i don't know we haven't even seen it in a bit and now we're back here and he's wearing his nice suit um which makes me almost wonder if there's like a scene they cut out of this episode where he wears the suit because he doesn't wear it in the hospital later Mm. and he doesn't wear it before then so it's almost like did he dress up to go do therapy and be civilized and not move or was there maybe some other scene or i mean i forget what else they talk about in this scene could this scene have been from that episode no because he does say when she says the happy wander he goes how the fuck do you remember this shit uh which is a great <laughs> yes. line um and i do like that um they they mention you know like how meadow's growing up and she's gonna leave the the nest or the family and they kind of go towards the ducks and then he's just like tony's like i don't want to hear about <laughs> i want to hear about these fucking ducks again <laughs> Well, yeah, that's almost why he storms out, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the ducks and uh, what else is it that, that, oh, you made it sound like, it was kind of surprising because he's like, oh, you made it sound like I did something good when I tried to rub her face and then I, this shitty thing I did. Shit. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is weird because it is almost like you could take this scene out and it wouldn't have changed the episode too much. Uh, it does, it is like a Soprano sit down real quick to break down some of the stuff, but they do twist it, I guess, a little bit uh, to to how it affects Tony. Uh, I mean, I guess the only other thing really left is it is weird that Tony's like, how could this happen? Because I don't, I don't feel like it's a surprise that someone could be shot. Um, So it is a little weird because I mean, we see Tony and like, he's clearly disheveled and, you know, broken up, which, you know, is understandable. Uh, Like he does love Christopher, but it's just interesting. He's like, how could this happen? Uh, it's like, well, you know how it could happen pretty easily. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this earlier therapy scene, it starts with him sitting there like, oh, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. And he's like, oh, spin the wheel. Uh, we'll talk about this. Hey, here's something. And it, they have done a job of, uh, like, when he's talking about Happy Wanderers and all this. And, and when he, since he's been back in therapy, he's been saying, like, by all accounts, everything's going great. Like, I'm doing well. Why do I feel so bad? Why do I feel this dread? And they've been talking about the dread of knowing that death will come for us all with what AJ's been wondering about in the previous episodes and stuff. So I guess if they wanted that line to land of, like, how could this happen? Maybe there should have been something about... um, I, I don't know. You're right. It is a weird line. I almost feel like... They've established that he everything's going well, but he's feeling this dread. So it almost would have made more sense if he'd said, like, I knew, I knew it. Yeah. Like I knew it wasn't gonna be good forever. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess maybe it is kind of it's like that, but it's it's like you know, you go through life expecting something to bad to happen, but then you're still surprised when it does. Maybe. Yeah. But either way. Uh so I mean it's a it's a solid way to end an episode. Uh, cause it's like, oh, what's going to happen next? No, not even a cool music, uh, not even a cool song to go over the credits. Just the, uh, you know, the hospital beeps of the heart monitor. 
And I yeah. think it it did also feel more intense towards I mean bit towards the end of last season because what was brewing then was a genuine conflict with a lot of like if something violent happens it means it's going to escalate and at this point it's like yeah I guess it will escalate but because more of misunderstandings and he's going to think Richie had something to do with it something like that where uh, it's really just a couple of idiots, and this is mm-hmm. going to be more or less like a coincidental thing that just sets off this uh, powder keg, I guess, and makes everything worse. Is my uh, you know my guess? I know you can't comment too much, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess either way, it is interesting how they set up things in the beginning of the season, and you think it's going to go a certain way, and like clearly they go out of their way to not do that, like. You know, if you just watch the first episode when when Richie shows up, you're like, oh, this is how it's going to be. Richie's going to keep undermining Tony and there's going to be this building conflict. And they do that, but then not really. Then things are really settled down. And even with like Big Pussy, like they reveal very early. I mean, it's like the second episode or third or whatever it was that he's talking to the feds. And I mean, we've seen some big moments with that, but it's not what you expect. You expect there's always going to be this like, either these scenes where Big Pussy thinks someone knows and he's getting all paranoid or that Tony almost finds out or this and that, more more wiretaps. But everything's kind of played pretty grounded and it, it just feels like more circumstance than this budding uh, conflict. I guess uh, he did kill a, an Elvis impersonator. That wasn't yeah. super grounded with a yeah. hammer or yeah, whatever exactly. it was. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. But apart from that, I, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we, we also skipped over the scene where um, Carmilla talks to Meadow, where wow. Meadow comes in like all upset that the maid cleaned her room. And uh, Carmilla, she says like, oh, I, can, I can take care of myself. And that's kind of Carmilla's moment of realization. You know what? You're right. You're right, and it is like a good moment for her. I I have a I guess the what's happening before in that storyline is to show that she's trying to fix everything and be in charge and be the mother hen and protect her child and make sure she doesn't go too far away and everything. Um, but it's almost like maybe she should have failed at getting the letter. Then, if she's going to realize this, that Meadow can do it on her own. Like she still got the letter, so. It, I don't know exactly what this scene means for her development. Well, uh, it was a little scheme. of both because she could. She also was ready to be like, oh, you could do it yourself. Do you know what? I, and she could have went into the, like, I've mm-hmm. been going back and forth to get this letter for you to help you get into Georgetown. But again, I think it's a little of realization that, yes, she can do it herself, but it's also some realization of like, if she does tell her what she did about the letter, it's just going to push her away more. And even if she did get into Georgetown, like now she's just like not going to want to go out of spite type deal. Uh, So it's a little bit of both. It's like kind of some good growth, but also like kind of scheming in a way, I guess, like realizing the 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 manipulation of a parent. And I think she even may have mentioned um, or maybe Tony mentioned it to Carmilla before. Just have a lot of like these things you do to like kind of hold on to your kids, just push them away. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we have now managed to talk for over an hour, about a 43-minute uh, episode, so I'd like to thank y'all for joining us, and yes. uh, of course, we will be covering uh, the next episode, uh, Season 2, Episode 9. Do you have any things, any words I'm not going to hear the same way after that episode, like last time, like maybe some sort of trench coat or boots? 
purgatory. Mm, okay, so uh, that'll 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 be interesting. That's a, this is a nice little te- tease. The next episode is called "From Where to Eternity," um, which is interesting. And uh, yeah, we're talking about that next week. Please do leave a review on iTunes if you have the ability to do so, which you do if you have the internet, which I assume you do. You're listening to this. Thank you very much for the, to those who have left reviews. If you want more from Jim, please do check out jimandthem.com and me, Jacob Burrows. I'm located at awesomepedia.org. Of course, you can find all our shows at showswhatyouknow.com. Anything else, Jim? Well, there's one more thing. What's that? Cut to black.